It's Tuesday, March 13th, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, I'm here with Taylor and Julia and Hallie and just so grateful to be able to spend some time with this family and a family that is dear to Ashley and I as well. And uh, right before they ended up moving to uh, to Asia to work uh, and uh, to take opportunities that were before them vocationally, uh, we had them in our home. And I remember a, just even a funny story. We were all talking and someone came through our uh, screen door and scared and startled us to death. But to see the journey that the Lord has taken you guys on from moving to Asia to work vocationally and then now adopting from India, I just would be interested in in you guys talking about how international your family has become, both vocationally and then just intimately. Yeah, so to a lot of people, we don't really make a lot of sense. I mean, we live in Asia, but yet we have chosen to adopt this precious little one from India. So we get funny looks all the time um, just because we don't fit in a lot of people's boxes. But it has been such a privilege and a blessing. We love working in a different context among just a culture and a people completely different from us. It has its ups and downs, its challenges. challenges, And I mean, every day is a new day and different. So we, we love that. We love getting to know about different people's beliefs and why they do the things they do, why they eat the way, the food that they eat. And um, we've just always been fascinated by that. And a little bit of our story is we had a trip to London that really kind of sparked all of that. And this is how India came about in our lives is um, we, we spent time in London and worked with a lot of South Asians and started to learn a little bit about the Indian culture and, just fell in love with it. And we actually thought that's the direction that the father was going to be leading us to working um, down the road. Obviously he had different plans for us and took us to a completely different country. Um, But from that experience, that's really what, when we came to the point that we were ready to kind of step forward into the adoption process, um, the father just made it clear that India, this is the program that he wanted us to be in. So we thought he was going to be leading us to India. Little did we know he's actually bringing India to our family. And so, um, so that's kind of what led us down, down the road of that. And we're just an international family. Do you want to add anything? Well, I know that one of the things living internationally and working internationally and, and you have to count that cost when you get a job offer and it's not in America and the things that we're used to with education and with healthcare and all of those things and you know the two of y'all initially you took this job Taylor and uh, you were you were a married couple without kids and now the whole idea of adopting and not just adopting but but bringing a, a little girl in from a different culture um, but also a little girl that obviously has some some special needs that she deals with. Talk about just the process, maybe you too, Julia, of just thinking through adopting a child into a country that maybe doesn't have the same resources that we have here in the United States. Yeah, it's definitely intimidating. I feel like just thinking about 
growing your family or if you move overseas um, and you already have kids, it's, it's a little bit intimidating to think, okay, well, if my child gets sick, what do I do? And there's definitely added stress to that when you um, don't think your child is going to you get sick. You know that your child has a certain need. And so um, for us, man, it's just been God's grace all over and just really um, being dependent that He is creator. He has created each one of us in His image. He has created our daughter in His image. And he knows how to best care for her. And so we know that because he has brought her into our family and given us the great privilege of being her parents, that he's also going to give us the resources that we need. So that's going to have been the, the overarching theme. And then what it looks like on a more practical level is when we started going through the special needs consideration checklist, we um, just spent time praying over what that would look like. We spent time with a doctor who had a lot of experience um, in the same country that we're living in. And he was able to walk us through and say, you know, this, this is doable. Um, there's a lot of people with this need in this country. Um, like people know how to help you. Um, and then other needs, you know, this would be really, really difficult. It might even um, force you to move home. And so that was definitely a part of um, our decision-making process. And then after we kind of narrowed that down looking practically about going back you know our little child our child has significant visual impairments well there are really great resources for the deaf and blind we're at there are um, schools there there's communities there's job opportunities and even in the lord's grace one of my good friends um, that i see on a regular basis she's completely blind she's married she has two kids and she has a job um working in a city away from her family. And so it is just really cool to see how the Lord has put people in our lives to make it less intimidating and to say, like, look, I'm taking care of these people. I'm going to take care of your daughter. I'm going to take care of your family. So, yeah. yeah. And just a reminder, too, when we think of things that, you know, modern medicine is just that. It's modern. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've had children with visual impairments and hearing impairments and all across the spectrum, even in this country, we didn't have the resources that we have. And, uh, just to know that a lot of this journey is such a faith journey to, to walk through each and every step. I know a lot of families, even that are planted in the United States, take the same considerations. Uh, walk us through leading your family through that, Taylor, and just saying, okay, we've got where we live and we've just got our, our needs and we've got our income levels. And, and thinking through that, how, how would a dad lead his family through that? both prayerfully, but also just practically speaking, um, as, a, as a leader of a family when you're thinking about adoption, especially special needs. Yeah, so when we knew that India was a special needs program going into it, um, thinking through and especially getting that, that list initially, it's very, very overwhelming. And so as a family, we just spent a lot of time praying, going through that. And for me personally, it was pretty shocking because thinking of my own life, I would have been considered special needs even being on that list, um, just with a birth defect that I had. And so um, it was just, yeah, just thinking through that was pretty humbling. And so that just really led our prayers. And so we we knew that we were going to start the adoption process. We knew special needs was going to definitely be a route that we wanted to take. And I think through it all, just the constant reminder of, that this little one that God had planned for our family, he's going to love them and know how to care for them more than we ever could. And so, um, you know, this is, this is definitely the, the decision that we made um, as a couple to grow our family and the route that we wanted to take. And so, yeah, just 
lot of prayer, a lot of talking with other families who have been through this process, um, just getting a lot of advice, having an amazing social worker who was right there, um, just walking us through every step of the way, um, just seeking counsel, and then also having amazing families that are just there and supportive of us. Um, moving overseas and living overseas is is a tough thing and being away from family and friends but we are blessed to have family and friends who just care for us and love us so well through that journey and and then even even going down this adoption this adoption process road um these same people just have loved us and supported us so well and so that's i mean that's played a huge role in in this journey for us and then just even helping me lead our family into this direction I think one thing that Taylor said that was really encouraging to me through the process was, you know, I would much rather our child have a special need in our home with a family than without a family. And that was just one thing that really, um, that we agreed on and that he helped kind of put me into a good perspective about is, you know, it's much, she's much better off here with us. And so I love that. One of the things, you know, Obviously, Taylor's employment took y'all to Asia, and uh, you get to do some things in the community just from living there, Julia. But one of the things you've gotten to do is actually help and assist Lifeline with doing home studies for other families that are considering adoption throughout different parts of Asia. Mm-hmm. And you've been to several countries even in those travels. And so uniquely, you were already thinking about some of the challenges because you've been helping other families. Mm-hmm. But but that does give you a unique perspective because you're helping other families even think through what resources you have. And so mm-hmm. if a family maybe is living abroad for work or you know, maybe they're retired overseas, whatever they may be doing overseas, talk to us a little bit about just how, how do they go through that process of determining what am I okay without, when I'm, what do I absolutely have to have? Mm-hmm. Um, well, first I'll say that Working for Lifeline has been just such an amazing opportunity and just getting to meet so many expat families and um, seeing them both on the the front end of their adoption and even visiting them for post-adoption visits and seeing um, their little ones grow and mature and uh, it's just, it's amazing. I love it. And so that was definitely encouragement for me to know that like, okay, this is doable. Like people are doing this and their kids are thriving and they're thriving in two languages. Like they're speaking English and Chinese and oh, it's just great. And so I think that um, one really positive thing just in the expat community, the expat community is is obviously a community in and of itself. And then the people in the expat community that adopt is even smaller. And so really it's a great network of people. And I feel like um, one of the things that you absolutely have to have is support. And living overseas, it can be really difficult to have that support. You you don't have your family. Um, Who knows what what type of um, situation you're in. Maybe it's only locals and maybe locals aren't really supportive of adoption or maybe they are. You you just, you don't know, but that support is so, so important. And so um, I think that for people who are living internationally, wanting to adopt, getting just involved in the expat community, making connections and networking with people is so important because, I mean, I have families now that I've worked with and I'm texting them all the time like, hey, how are you guys doing? They're asking me how I'm doing and we bounce ideas off of each other. Well, you know, sleeping or eating is going this way. What are you doing with this? Well, I'm I'm working through this scenario. What are you doing? And so um, just having that support of people who have um, been there and done that is is 
vital. Um, so, yeah, I think that a, a lot of things, when we first started the process, um, it was just intimidating because I was thinking, like you said, the, the medical resources and different things. Like, um, I think it's really easy to pare away things that you don't actually need. I think that we work up in our minds. We have to have the perfect scenario, the perfect school system, the perfect occupational therapist and physical therapist and speech therapist, all of these things. And the Lord will provide. And so if you don't have that in your city um, and you need it, the Lord is going to make a way for you to have it. And just, I mean, a testimony from our own story, we are working with a occupational therapist and a speech therapist we're, we're blessed to have a physical therapist in our city and uh, we're working with them here in the states and like you know what are we going to do when we go back and they have said you know we've never done it before but we're going to facetime you and we're going to make yeah. it work and so some of the things you think um you maybe you, you think you can't adopt because it's not there in your city i wouldn't rule it out just yet because the lord works in amazing ways to provide you exactly what you need mm. yeah. and obviously you are also blessed because you have an employer that also has some other Americans working uh, at the same company. So you've got yeah. some built-in connections. But then you also have somebody that's been flexible enough for you to be back in the States while you're finalizing the adoption. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that process because that's one thing that's different. Because when you're living in America, you come home, the citizenship process happens, but you're not thinking about it as much. Mm-hmm. It's not as timely because you don't have to get back somewhere with your child. So talk a little bit about just the, a little bit of the burden, but what it's like having to wait now on getting Hallie's citizenship so you can go back to work. Yeah, I, I think coming back has been a bit overwhelming. It's the first time that we had been back actually to the States in a little over two years. And so bringing... When we left, it was just the two of us, and now we're coming back as a family of three, seeing our friends and family for the first time in a couple of years. and just so exciting to see them. Um, and we, we know and we do a lot of studying on attachment and what needs to happen in this cocooning phase. And for us, we haven't really had an opportunity to do that necessarily by the book. So we've had to be creative and try to find uh, somewhat of a pattern or a routine to get her into. And so... As we're bouncing around and transitioning from place to place, and so um, it's been amazing just to see friends and family and just to feel the love and support from them. Um, but at the same time, we're not home yet, and so um, there's still that transition phase. And um, for us, I mean, going through being expat, we have another step of citizenship, the N600K form, and so that's. Um, just a longer process and we're just trying to be patient our employer has been very gracious to us and understanding um the process and what it takes and so it's just been pushing forward and, and praying seeking the lord and trusting in his sovereignty and his timing is going to be perfect and so while we're here while we are in this kind of waiting pattern um, we're trying to learn as much as we can learn as much braille meet with ot's and pt's and and communities of people who can just commit to be praying for our family even as we go back um, that is you know definitely going to be be a challenge learning braille and you know for julia homeschooling is the only option where we're at and so just thinking of what homeschooling is going to entail for our family looking forward so we're just in a place just trying to soak in as many resources as we can um while we're waiting and so i mean the lord is definitely patient with us and so we just trust him in his timing and so one of the things just even as we close i know uh that 
you guys are so committed to your faith, and so no matter what you do, no matter what your occupation is or where your occupation takes you, your faith bleeds out in, in who you are. And so obviously I know that bringing a little girl from India who has a, a special need is countercultural to where you live. And so just if you can, talk about maybe opportunities outside of work and outside of just daily, day-to-day life that you may have to display the love of Christ just because of how your family's taken a different path. I think a perfect example of that is, I mean, yeah, first of all, just our faith leads us to have a heart for the nation. I mean, just it is so cool to see how the Lord has created so many diverse people all over the world. It's just Oh, it's amazing. And then second of all, all life is important, whether you're on this side of the world or that, whether you have this ability or you don't have this ability, all life is so important. And each one of us are created in God's image. And so um, that is one thing that we love, that we rejoice in the Lord in. But that's also one thing that we don't um, share the same belief with our neighbors. Mm -hmm. And so when we first started the adoption process, I have a sweet, sweet lady. I call her my grandmother um, because she's basically adopted me into her family where we're at. And I told her that we were going to adopt and she was very upset with me. She, she didn't understand. She didn't agree. She did not think that that was a wise decision. She didn't think that that was a normal way to grow our family. And so we're adopting from another country, not even the country that we're living in. And so that's weird to her. And, um, as the process went along, she understood that our child would have some special needs. And she's just thinking, this is, this is not easy for you. Like, this is not the easy right route that everyone should take. And so over the 13 months that our adoption process took, I was just continually spending time with this lady and talking about our adoption, talking about how excited we were, weaving threads of the gospel as I was talking about adoption, showing her Hallie's picture when we got it for the first time. And this lady who was adamantly against our adoption from the beginning, the day that we left, um, I was leaving her house and she was in tears, giving me the most grandmotherly advice of how to take care of this child. And with tears in her eyes saying, hurry up and come back to my home because I cannot wait to hold her. I can't wait to see her. I can't wait to play with her. And so it it was just really cool to me to see how the Lord softened her heart so much that Hallie's grandmothers, her grandmothers here in the States and her grandmothers internationally are just as excited about her, just as excited about welcoming her into their families. And so that's been a really neat thing that the Lord has done. How encouraging, and like I said, I, I love this family and their heart, and no matter what they have done, whether vocationally or no matter where they've been, they, they show the light and the love of Christ Jesus. And just uh, another another reminder of us is we're called to defend the fatherless, that it doesn't matter how or where we may be planted or where we may live or where we may work or what we may be, do, that when we take the step to, to follow the Lord in defending the fatherless, that He will ultimately get the glory as He goes before us mapping out all things. Well, thanks for joining us for the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.